All right, let's look in our Bible in Philippians chapter 4. We'll look in Philippians 4, and we're looking at uh, the second half of our message last week, Places to Park Your Mind. And in Philippians 4, we'll look at verse 8 and 9. Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. And I'll read it out loud there, and you can just follow along silently. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Again, here, opening up our Bible, we're in the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians mentions the mind several times. It mentions uh, the idea of having peace of mind a few verses before that. And we're likening it to parking your car. Places to park your car. There's places to park our mind, to lodge our mind. In fact, there's a Bible word in the Old Testament where God says to the Israelites, I know uh, the, the thoughts that you have lodged, the thoughts that you're lodging, he says. And the way we think is kind of like the way you, you reside in a home. You reside somewhere. Or you harbor something. You, like you, when you dock a ship or you harbor a ship. Um, there's a, if you were to drive through downtown Gilbert, in fact, even going this way a few spots, but downtown Gilbert, as you're driving, you're going to see some speed limit signs. And the speed limit signs will, some of them, have an eyeball looking back at you and have a digital sign underneath it that tells you what you're doing, <laughs> at least how fast you're doing, right? I think over here off of this street, it says it'll have a smiley face if you're going just right, you know, trying to be positive. <laughs> but if you're going, what are we, 25 and then, I don't know, 35 and then 25, and then if you're going too fast, it'll blink, you know. You're going 35 in a 25, you better stop, you know. And so what is it doing? You know what that thing's doing? That whatever, they, I'm calling it an eye, whatever the radar is, whatever it's technically called, it is calculating on you. It is thinking on you. And it's telling you back what it's thinking about you. It's literally the word mind here and the word uh, think it means to calculate. Um, you know, you could try to calculate how fast other people are going. Get out your mom's hair dryer and go like this on the street. And like this might get people to slow down. They might think you got a radar, you know. You can try to calculate how fast people are going. Well, we're always calculating. That means we're always thinking about something. And to use kind of a, a contemporary example, we're parking somewhere in our minds. We want to be parked in the right spot. So, you know, being in Arizona, if you want your paint job to last longer and your tires to last longer, you try to find places of shade to park. And it, it will it'll make a difference. You'll last a little longer on the paint job and your tires won't get dried out as much on the sides. Um, if you don't want door dings in your car, um, you park at the back of the parking lot. Right? I mean, that was a, I thought that was normal growing up. My dad always had a nice vehicle. 
Not that we had an exotic vehicle, but he always had like usually American-made vehicle with a nice paint job, and Dad always took care of it. And we were just used to parking out at the edge of Fiesta Mall. You know, it no longer exists anymore, but out at the back, you know, or no door dings there. Because Dad, with his truck or whatever he had, he wanted to get everybody get away from me. <laughs> you know, I want to park here and get away. Because <laughs> somebody would park next to you, like, oh, yeah, clink, and they'd put a door ding in the, in the car and in the truck or whatever. And, and uh, see, Dad gets paid to fix those for others, but not for himself. So I was used to, even then when I got my own car, I had a nice vehicle in high school and I parked at the back of the parking lot of Mesa High and, uh, get, you know, I wanted to learn my lesson, you know. And so it makes a difference where you park. You know, if you're trying to, some of, not, a lot of times people nowadays have a vehicle that has a wrap on it for their business and, you know, I do taxes, 1-800-I-DO-TAXES or something, or some person that does cleaning and they'll put vinyl thing on their car for cleaning and, they might want to park there, besides driving, they might want to park it on a corner when they're working or at the grocery store. They want to get some exposure so somebody will call them. And it does make a difference uh, where you park your vehicles, positive or negative. And the same thing with our mind. It makes a difference. The Bible tells us it matters what you're thinking. Now, Paul tells us where to think and what, how, what quality <coughs> to have. But it matters in the first place. And here's a couple of ver- Proverbs that I want to quote to you, and then we'll start unpacking some of this. Uh, the Bible, the Proverbs say, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's not as he's acting so much. It's as he's thinking in his heart, that's how he is, and it'll come out in his actions eventually. That's Proverbs 23.7. There's another proverb that says that your, your thoughts will affect you in a positive way. It says that the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty only to want. In other words, a person who's diligent and they think through things, it will tend, that means the outcome will be, uh, the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. There'll be something profitable from his careful thinking and planning, and it's in a positive way there'll be a positive outcome. But those that are hasty and want a quick thing now, everyone that is hasty only to want a hasty person was always going to be lacking something. If you're always thinking in haste, your thoughts affect you. Uh, There's even a proverb that says, Proverbs 30, verse 32, If thou hast thought evil, lay thine hand upon thy mouth, it says. If you keep thinking evil, you better cover your mouth because it's going to blurt out. So it matters what we think. So we got to think, what am I, where have I been parking? Because it's going to, it affects my life. Where's my mind been lodging? Um, because it, uh, it matters. Let's look at, so, so where can we park today? Where can we park? Well, there's six specific ones mentioned. And the last two descriptions are saying, if anything's good like this or like that, then park there too. If there's any virtue in any praise, think on these things. But let's look at these six particular ones we looked at. Just one last week, and I'll review it quickly. Paul tells us where we can park our mind. Verse 8, whatsoever things are true. I think that's probably the most important one when I, in my own surmising of myself. Whatsoever things are true. That means, what does true mean? It's real. It's not imaginary. Things that are true are things that are actual. Um... I don't mind, you know, reading stories and 
watching movies as long as they're clean and even something that's not necessarily a true story to life. But if all we do is, is <clears throat> read fiction and watch fictitious stuff all the time, it will affect you. It'll affect you, you know. Um, but we need to think on that which is true. Be realistic about the thing that you're, the thing that the person you're suspicious about. Is it true? Um, think on things that are true, not just nice things that are might be a popular lies. Think on things that are true about yourself. Think truly about yourself. The devil wants us to go to one extreme or the other. The devil wants you to think you're just no good and there's no hope for you ever. Or if he can't get you to go that way, he wants you to think you're the greatest thing ever. He wants you to think in one extreme or the other. He is an extremist. I meet people like that. They just, they, you know, it's like they're suicidal. Or they're drunk on themselves. But Paul says... In Romans 12:3, for I say through the grace given unto me to everyone that is among you, to not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly. As God hath dealt every man the measure of faith. Paul says, you know, think realistically about yourself. Think true. See, the thing is, this is where we're at. We think about ourselves a lot. Think truly about yourself. Um, think truly about another person. Um, when it comes to, like, I'm suspicious. Well, be careful about your suspicions because you don't know if suspicions are true. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. Think truly about God. Just because you feel God is this, or I feel like God is that. When my thinking, I think God is, we don't really care about your thinking. We care about you thinking after God's thoughts about God. God says, um, I'm the Lord and there's none else. The Jesus said, thy, sanctify them for thy truth. Thy word is truth. So whatever God says about himself, that's who God is. So I need to think about what God says about himself, and that way I'm thinking truly about God, not what I just merely feel God is. So think truth. All right, I want to park in places that are true. Here's another good parking spot. I want to park in places that are honest. So if things are honest... Think on these things. So that word, when we say honest, we, ought to, we usually mean being truthful. When we say, hey, be honest, we mean be truthful. This word honest has the idea, it, it means, to, it means uh, honorable, something that you can pull out of the closet and put right on the table for everybody to see. That's what it means. There's a word picture in Acts 6.3. The early church was growing, a bunch of people, there was... You know, there was widows that had needs and they weren't, their needs weren't being met. And so they had to address it. And so Peter and the apostles says, all right, church, we need some men, <coughs> excuse me, help take care of these ladies and some of their needs. And we believe that's Acts 6 is the first mention of deacons. And so they said, uh, um, look out among you. So this big congregation, look out among yourselves, seven men, they needed seven at the time, seven men, of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, whom we can appoint over this business. Find the guys that have a good background check and they are spiritual and they have faith and put them out here that we can bring them in broad daylight for everybody to see what, that they're doing this service. That's honest. Honest report. So I got to think, am I parking in an area where 
in my mind that I'm musing on is my thoughts like deacons that I could set in front of people, you know? Like, hey, I'm not ashamed of these guys right here. They're honest report. I got to have quality thoughts in that sense. You know, that, you say, well, it doesn't matter. That's just, it doesn't matter. It matters before God. God says, I know your thoughts. I know your thoughts. And I want to and and please him from that standpoint, too. Um, Vance Havner was an evangelist. I got some good messages. You can hear him on sermon audio. He's passed away years ago. Vance Havner said, Our defeat or victory begins with what we think. And if we shall guard our thoughts, we shall not have much trouble anywhere else along the line. That's a parking spot. Number three, whatsoever things are just, it says. Just means judicial. Think on things that, okay, this is judicial. That is, this is right. Yeah, this is is proper. Yeah, this is just. Think on things that are, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's just. Yeah, that's, that's how it should be. Whatever things are just, think on these things. See, I'm realizing that we tend to have the problem of thinking that uh, not so justly uh, in a couple of ways. Sometimes we think it's unfair. We think certain things are unfair when it's actually very fair. Like, oh, it's just unfair. I have to take care of kids. Or are they your kids? Yeah. (laughs) It's just so unfair to feed these kids. They're yours, right? Yeah. Well, (laughs) that's very fair. That's just. Keep thinking on that. Keep thinking how to feed them. That's very just. It's judicial, you know. Um, the Bible says, if any man provide not his own, especially they of his own house, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. <laughs> That's what God thinks about that. So it's very just that if I have, whether I have one child or, you know, 27, it's my job to take care of them. And I, it's not unfair. And God's not unfair. I have to take care of them. You know, if you have, if you, if card, and then a bill comes, it's not unfair. It's very just for you to pay that. Yeah, that's just. So don't think, oh, it's unfair. I get these bills to pay and these kids to take care of, and i got to put gas in a car to drive. It's just unfair. No, that's fair. If you want something, it costs something called money. It's just. That's how it works. This one guy, some of you have heard of... Um, Andrew Carnegie. Andrew Carnegie was like, <laughs> the, years ago, 100 years ago, we had some men that were so rich, it was really getting almost scary. You know? So he was the, one of the, maybe even over 100 years ago, I can't remember, but steel tycoon. He made his money in the steel industry. And, um, and, and I mean, I can't remember the equivalent. If you take the equivalent of the money then and make it, to now, it's probably at least as much as our world's richest man currently, like Bezos or something, maybe more. So he had a lot of wealth and um, powerful in his company. Towards the end of his, I don't know, last 18 years or something of his life, he ended up giving away like 90% of his wealth, you know, to so many benevolent, co- I mean, there's probably hospitals, uh, departments of colleges, if not whole colleges and universities that you just, he's fun. And it's good. That's great. And that's his prerogative to do that. And he, and so he did all that and he gave away a lot of his wealth, even as he, in his older age. 
Um, but there's a guy that showed up, came to him one time, Andrew Carnegie, again, probably what we would say multi-billionaire, comes to him, comes and meets with his office. and He's a socialist, this guy was. And um, so, which was kind of like, I, I hate to say it, but a lot of Democrats are basically socialists today. That is, I have the right to your stuff. You should spread it out for me. Um, not all of them, but there's some like that. And um, so he comes, he says, I just don't think, Mr. Carney, I just don't think it's right that, that, that you have all this wealth of all these millions of dollars. And, and meanwhile, there's so many other people in the world that need things. And wealth is meant to be shared and spread out evenly. And I just don't think it's right that you're just keeping this. And he says, all right, um, has a secretary, can you give me some numbers on his current assets and everything? And she's like, okay. And she gave some numbers and he did this and did a little calculation of how many people are in the world and how much assets and has and everything like that. And he told the secretary, give this man 16 cents. He goes, that's your share of my wealth. You know. He wants what's fair. You want what's just. There you go, 16 cents. I just haven't got to everybody else yet. You know. It's just, I guess what I'm saying is sometimes people think about fairness and all that, and it's really a little skewed. Jesus, it's, there's a, as far as assets, you have a prerogative to hold or give. You do. Uh, we are admonished to give, as Brother Adam was teaching us even, but it's not an arm-twisting thing or a communist thing in the Bible. The philosophy of communism and socialism is really not in the Bible. Um... So what does it say? Think on that which is just. That means, oh, by the way, sometimes people think, I'm going to see how I can get this guy back. Don't be a person who plots tricks. I mean, and I'm not talking about funny ha-ha jokes. I mean, don't be a person who's, you're plotting something evil. That's not thinking on what's just. Think on how you can be a blessing. Uh, Don't think on how you can cheat. Think on how you can do right. Think on what's just. Number four, what's pure? He says, whatsoever things are pure. Think on these things. Whatever's pure, whatever's pure, we'll see. Pure means morally right, clean, decent. Think on those things. You say, well, I'm pure. I just don't know. I mean, you, you, you you can't have it in your, we can't have it in our life where it's like, um, well, people think I'm pure, or I'm looking pure. I, act, I, I do well, but you know, I just have these other things that I do that's maybe not so pure. You can't be like that. The Bible says, unto the pure, all things are pure. If it's not all things are pure, then it's not the pure. Unto the pure, all things are pure. No, again, we're, we need God's grace in being pure and in our lifestyle choices, in our in our thoughts, in our heart, and all that. But unto the pure, all things are pure. And so it helps by thinking on things that are pure. You know, there's a, um, I read about a mom. She, her daughter, and she, her daughter, she had a college student in the house, her daughter. Daughter comes in the house, and um, the mom's making dinner, cutting up stuff for salad and stuff and, and everything, and, and uh, preparing. And the daughter comes in, and she's going to eat with them and everything. And, and she's, the daughter says, hey, I'm going to go see such and such movie. And uh, the parents would let her see movies, but they're like, I don't know about that one. I think there's this, this, and that in there. That's a little, little, I don't know. I think that's kind of a dirty movie. No, well, no, so-and-so is seeing it, and we're going to go. And the mom's like, I don't think, I don't, 
I don't think you should go see it. She goes, no, well, I'm going to go see it, and, and this and that and everything. And, and so she's talking, so mom's like, all right. And so she's making dinner, and the late girl's getting ready. And so the mom has her, has her bowl of uh, uh, salad to give to her daughter, and she goes to give her a bowl of salad. She goes, wait a minute. She reaches in the garbage can, grabs out a little bit of garbage, and just throws it on the salad and says, here you go. She's like, what are you doing? Putting garbage on my salad. She's like, well, I figure if you don't mind uh, garbage in your mind, you wouldn't mind it in your stomach. You know? And she's like, oh, okay. You know, we, we gotta, it's hard to have everything pure, but we really got to do our best, don't we? To, we're living in an unclean world. Everything is. It's not like it's going to be 100% sanitary on every little corner, but we got to try our best. It's like, what is affecting my mind? I want to want my mind in a pure direction for God's sake. What's over things are pure. Think on those things. Um, you can, even some of our, our movies and stuff, and it'd be good to, I do this, and, and again, it's, I told my wife, sometimes it's, it is like trying to find something decent to eat in a pile of garbage when you're looking for a decent movie. And, to, to be really honest, it really is. And because I'm like, I kind of like to watch a decent movie. Man, this is what happens to my wife. All right, you want to watch a movie tonight after we get the kids to bed? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I know it's going to happen. <laughs> we're both going to sit there. You're going to look unplugged in on your phone. I'm going to look it on the computer. And we're just going to be like, ugh, ugh. Well, plugged in is this thing where you can review. It's actually focused on the family. It's a Christian organization. And they kind of help, help you get an idea of what's some of the content, you know. And there's this, like, for instance, there's this. So there's a movie, I guess, out. The Lost City is in theaters. Um, and so they'll give you a little, it has Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. So they're like, oh, should I? First thing I do, I pull it up, kind of get a quick what it's about. And I go right to the language and sexual content. And the sexual content, I'm not even going to read it to you. It's, it just, it's like, a, like yeah, okay, innuendo, 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 little this, little that. Now nah, we'll pass on that. And then you go to the language uh, two uses of the S word along with several other milder profanities including this, 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 and God's name is misused nearly 15 times. Jesus' name is abused three times. So I'm thinking, ah, I don't want to pass on that one. And because um, I want to honor, I, and, it's, it, it's, and I'm not a perfect person, but I, I want to do my best to honor God's name. You know? Them that honor me will I honor. I wonder if the reverse is true. true. And so I want to think on that which is pure, my best. I'm fighting naturally against it. But apparently it's possible, otherwise we wouldn't be told it. And uh, don't you feel better? By the way, don't you feel better when you know, you know, I've been thinking, my mind's been in the right spot. It's good. Good. Feel better about your life, yourself. You know that you're pleasing God when your mind is kind of on His highway, on along His lines in His parking spots. Number five, lovely. Whatsoever things are lovely. Well, then I'm thinking of my wife. Mwah! She's back there. She's like, ah, oh, trying to get brownie points, are we? Pleasant. Lovely means pleasant. Uh, the word means that which invites friendly interaction. Lovely. Uh, things that are lovely and pleasant. You know, you can take something that's kind of a so-so, kind of a meat. Maybe a meat. It's like, I don't have the best cut of beef or the certain kind of chicken or something. But if you marinated it, 
really good. You're like, oh, I can make a so-so cut of meat. Tastes really good. You know, and the same thing with us. You know, if you marinate, if you marinate your mind on some things that are lovely thoughts that are pleasant, it affects your, your pleasantness. It affects you. Think on that which is lovely. Number six, think on that which is of a good report. Of a good report. Um, it's kind of like honest, what we just mentioned earlier. Good report means it's a positive testimony. It's healthy. It's a healthy testimony. It's a positive testimony. I, I think, I, I, and I'm one of them, I think we, the most under, the most overlooked reading material for Christians is Christian biographies. I mean, they're available, but I don't think we're really reading them. I think we all take for granted, oh yeah, you know Hudson Taylor, oh yeah. No, maybe we don't know Hudson Taylor. Oh yeah, you know, you know D.L. Mood. No, some of us don't. Because we've been, we're reading a bunch of other things and watching a bunch of other things. No, these are, there's, a, if you read some of the, like, even, those are uh, Hudson Taylor, what, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, D.L. Moody 100 years ago, 150 years ago for him too, maybe 200 for the other. But I'm just saying there's Christians, even the last 300 years of biographies that are available, many of them free. Some of them you'll find at Goodwill, like, this is good stuff of good report. I'm going to read about, um, you know, Adoniram Judson, first missionary to Southeast Asia, Burma, which is modern-day Myanmar. He was, he was a pioneer in, in, in helping them get a written language. It took him years to get his first convert. I think it's six years. Got one convert. And then he went through, I think, three wives because they were kept dying. And he died before his third. And uh, it's an amazing story. He was a, for one of our first uh, well-known missionaries from, the, from our country to go overseas and um, I love the, the letter. He, I read the letter he wrote his father-in-law before he proposed to, pardon me, before he proposed to this, who would be his father-in-law's daughter, the letter he gave him. He said, this is where we're going. You know, it's like dangerous, un, un, you know, un, it's like all the hard things. He said, this is where I'm taking your daughter. Do you want me to marry her? It's amazing. And so I like, this is good stuff. And so it's stuff of good report, good biographies like that. Me and Charity and I were watching a little, a little cartoon of Eric Little. You know, Torchlighters. You can see, though, that's on YouTube. It's clean. Torchlighters, a little quick little cartoon of, you know, like um, uh, George Mueller or, uh, you know, Eric Little, Liddell, the Scottish runner of 100 years ago, and uh, Olympic. And, and so Charity and I were sitting on the bed going, we're watching Eric Little, and she'd look up at me, and, oh, and they'd, he'd be running, they'd play some, some kind of music, or she's really musical, and she'd go, oh, and then after a while, she saw that I'm entertained by her just going, oh, so she kept doing that to me, I'm like, okay, let's, let's watch this, sweetheart, I don't know how much you're getting at him, yeah, he's in China right there, see, there's that friend, now he's running, and, you know, but, uh, you know, little things like that, that's a good report, reading about a good Christian, a good Christian biography, or animated thing or a film. It's good stuff. That helps me. That's where, I should, that's where we should steer our mind, right? It's a good report. And it's true. Those things are true. And I know a lot of you, let me just compliment the families that are here. I think a lot of you, you keep yourself on a diet of that stuff. That, don't stop that. Uh, keep yourself on a diet of trying to consume a, um, a good Christian biography or some of these wholesome if you're going to have movies, wholesome movies, that is great. Don't, 
don't stop that quality. That's good to have that quality of stuff. And there are some different kind of uh, filming, film companies that are more Christian-minded that you can definitely look up. But let's move on here. The, so we, here's these things. So those six places, true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. And then Paul says, if there's any virtue to what you're thinking, if there's any virtue to this issue, if there's any praise, think on that then. It's kind of like a, just a broad other quality. Like if there's any parking spots that look like that, okay, think there. Now, here's the question I have. We're going to go through this. I have one more question. We'll walk through this. What will help me find a spot? Now, I know where the parking spots are, but what will help me find that parking spot? Have you ever gone to a a big event? You're like, I know I need to go to parking lot 50A on the other side of the stadium. But I need somebody to kind of steer me and say, go over here, go over there. And you have those guys wearing vests and like going like this. And, And so what helps kind of steer me to a good parking spot that we're talking about? So let's talk about that. First of all, we could say that um, managing mine eyes helps me, helps steer me in the right parking spot. It's not the only thing. But managing my eyes, you know. Uh, Job 31.1, Job said, Job had, uh, you know, a lot of things that were happening in his life, and he was tr- under a trial. But one thing he knew is that there was not an immoral problem is it related to women? Because he said this. I've, I've already, I've already, I've already made a, I've already made a um, uh, preempted that because I made a covenant with my eyes. They haven't even got past this gate. I made a covenant with my eyes, an agreement. Why then should I think on a maid? In other words, he's saying I haven't been. In, uh, there's not been an unfaithfulness or infidelity with a, a young lady because I caught that. I'm not even thinking because I caught it at my eye gate. I caught that issue right at my eye gate. We made a covenant that, you know, we're not going to look in this way at a lady or look at, uh, you know, uh, some other improper thing. And so why should I think of it if I'm not even seeing? And so that's part of sometimes winning in our thoughts is getting it at the gate. What am I looking at? Um, uh, The... Again, it's like the, the, the speed limit signs, we drive by them, they're gazing at us and they're, tell, and they're, they're calculating us. We're like, what am I looking at? That affects my thoughts. Number two, music choices. What's going to help me find a good parking spot is music choices. What are your, what are your music choices? Um, what are your music choices? Because it affects your mind. And, and I'm not saying all your music choices have to be only from Majesty Hymn Book. Okay, um, but I'm saying, what what music are you listening to? And do you realize what how it affects your thinking and your attitude? Um, Colossians three sixteen says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord." That's God's word. Word of Christ dwell in me through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And it affects me, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That music will affect my spirit and my thinking. Number two, or number three, moments of prayer. How do I find a good parking spot? Moments of prayer will lead me there. It leads me to keep thinking on that which is true and just and honest and pure. We we preach that in Philippians chapter 4, verse uh, 6 and 7. 
about the prayer that comes to God with letting go of our cares. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That is, if I learn to come to God by saying, I'm going to put away my cares and my worry, I'm going I'm to I'm declare to God the things I'm thankful for, and I'm going to give Him my petition. Paul says, if you come to God in that way, that the peace of God will come in and keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer helps me find a good place for my mind to park. It helps my mind to be kept, to be guarded. It helps my mind to be at peace and at rest. And sometimes we overlook that. Some of the most basic things in life are overlooked. Some of the most um, foundational things can be overlooked. Here's another thing that will help us think well. Okay, let's go to the next one. Number four is sobriety. Maintaining um, sobriety. Sometimes I, I realize probably the two, the two biggest things that affect, that go against sobriety for the average American is a misuse of medicine or just outright drugs or alcohol. Those two things affect sobriety. Sobriety means I'm thinking clearly. I'm, I'm, I'm level. And we are commanded to be sober three times in, I think it's 1 Peter, be sober. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Peter said three times be sober. There's other scriptures that say be sober. The Bible says, as far as alcohol, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then, it, um, and then in, even in the Proverbs that speak about intoxication, Proverbs 23, verses 29 to 35, it's an interesting passage. Uh, in there, it says, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath redness of eyes? And they that tarry long at the wine and go about to seek mixed wine. Look not on the wine when it moves itself in the cup and when it uh, changes its color at the last, it's going to sting you like a snake. Thine eyes shall behold strange women and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Why? Because it affects my thinking. And it goes on to tell how there's an addiction there. And so the Bible talks about the need to be sober. And if I, if I maintain sobriety from the standpoint of what I'm putting into my body, that helps my mind stay right. I remember it was hard when I was younger. I'd leave Bible college, which, and I'd drive from Bible college that I was attending over to my dad's shop, and I'd go through Mesa, and I'd pass by certain areas, and I'd be like, man, i got a witness to somebody today. You know, and I'd have a track or something, and I'd pull the corner of like, uh, uh, country club and southern and and I have these guys that you know panhandling or, or at one point these guys were trying to sell these papers called like the the vine or something it was trying to sell a paper right in the median of the road and I remember a guy kept trying to talk to him like yeah I'm a witness to this guy in between this green in between this arrow here and so this guy comes and says, you want to buy it? I'm like yeah give me a dollar give me give me I give him a dollar he give me the paper I'm like here man I started talking to him about the Lord give him a track and I'm like man this guy is skunk drunk I mean, he barely can stand on this uh, um, median. And, and I thought, oh. And so I'd try it again the next time. I thought, it's not, I'm not getting anywhere. It's like it's hard to get through to somebody that's drunk. They may not even remember it anyways. And so we, we want sobriety of mind for ourselves so we can you know, think right and make good decisions. All right, last thing here. Jesus in his word. Well, that helps me. Just reading the Bible, there's a lot of true right here. There's a lot of just, lovely, pure, of good report, virtuous praise. In fact, the whole thing 
looks like Jesus. This whole verse even is really a portrait of Jesus himself. And as I meditate on the Lord Jesus Christ and I meditate on his words, I'm, look, I'm thinking right. I'm thinking right. Um, My meditation of him shall be sweet, Psalm 104 verse 34 says. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. So you've been parked in a good spot. Maybe you have been, you started getting in bad spots. Keep parking the good spot. It's part of, uh, it's part of having a healthy, uh, it's part of good mental health, of course. God has the answer to those things like that. I'm going to give you a little testimony of a guy. I got this article, and this guy's a Baptist chaplain. He's now retired. <coughs> His name's Wayne Keast. Retired Army chaplain now, since 2012, lives in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, ministers to soldiers who desire assistance from the Bible and in defeating PTSD. And I'm just going to read you what he said, because here's the article. I saw this article, and it was in a Christian periodical that I get, uh, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder and My Journey with God. And he describes about some of his, some PTSD and that he helps with, that he has, and he's helped with, with other men. And then um, how he, he wrote a book, how he wrote a book and how he now helps men. He wrote a book called Biblical Cures for the Wounded Spirit. I just want to read this to you. It's interesting. America has a history of godliness in its foundation. But at the same time, Forces have been at work to tear down and remove that godly influence. In my book on PTSD, I mentioned a brief background of Sigmund Freud, who was godless in his thinking. He, among others, led people away from God. And some men of God even decided that this area was not of a spiritual nature. They steered clear of Scripture for health altogether. They steered clear of Scripture for help, and psychology then took over. Secular psychology is based entirely on humanism. The wise use of medicine, pardon me, wise use of medication in mental dilemmas can be an asset. But the tendency is to lean entirely on medications to the point where trust and hope in God are entirely removed and replaced by drugs alone. A physician once told me that negative thoughts are not removed by thinking about them. Rather, they are removed when you overwhelm them with truth. The truth is a person, Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.8 says, Whatever is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, we are to think on those things. This is where I recommend meditation in scriptures, a renewing of the mind, Romans 12.2. Joshua 1 and several psalms he lists here, and others speak of meditation in scriptures. Time spent in His Word will make the ultimate difference. He's talking now, this is kind of pointed at military, and this is a military guy's thing aimed at military. Okay, here's his last words. Our military personnel need help from Scriptures to overcome PTSD. Our doctors try, but they cannot match what the Word can do. Now, that's from a guy who's, who's wrestled through that stuff. What he's saying is, you know, God knows how to help us in our thoughts. 
It's right here. Medication can help be an asset, but ultimately, let's look for God's solution. And I think we, want, we all want to have good mental health. And so here, God told us a place to park, told us how to get there. Let's ask God to help us in that.